The Mysterious Circumstances podcast is hosted by Justin Rimmel. This is an American Crimecast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. From the floor, absolutely defying gravity. Truly amazing. It just flung them back. No, what was doing this? There was no shadow of doubt in my mind. I was in the presence of evil. The whole atmosphere about him was just, just eerie. He knew that something was not normal. There was an evil presence around him. This was so abnormal that we felt that the supernatural was present. I was a cop at the scene and they were looking to me for some help and a sense of direction of what to do. I had no answers for it. Something's wrong and it wasn't the house. I knew that. You know, I looked at him. I felt suspicious. Don had come in that day, and all of a sudden it's raining in our house. It was just beyond belief. I was scared to death. It just heightened my belief that possibly the devil. Hey everybody, welcome to Mysterious Circumstances. I am your host Justin, and for those of you who did not know, I am back. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy road the last couple months, trying to get everything back to back to normal got a great case for you today uh i will say that it is not a true crime case but it is a badass one nonetheless and you guys know i wouldn't come at you with anything weak so before we get started i do have to say i lost all my subscribers and all my reviews from itunes when i switched my feed over so if you want to resubscribe maybe leave another review that would be awesome it is Definitely not required, though. Let me grab a drink of this rum and coke right quick. Alright. Get ready to get this show on the road here. Our story tonight is one somewhat of the paranormal. But it is one of the most well-documented poltergeist cases ever. And the reason that this case is so awesome is because nobody has been able to prove it wrong. There are several witnesses, over a dozen, that saw all these occurrences happen, and 75% of those witnesses are uniformed police officers that have nothing to lose, have reputations to kill by lying about some shit. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with the... Uh, the case of the Rain Man, Donnie Decker. So in February of 1983 in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, Donnie Decker, who was age 21 at the time, 
was actually serving one to two years in the county jail there for uh, receiving stolen property. Now, Donnie, from all accounts that I've read, wasn't really that bad of a kid. He just kind of got mixed up in the wrong crowd. I mean, receiving stolen property, that shit could happen to anybody, all right? You know, he, he wasn't that bad of a dude. He was very quiet, very introverted. Um, the warden says, you know, he was a pretty quiet, quiet kid in there. You know, didn't cause any problems, minded his own business. So, he's serving his time, like I said, one to two years for receiving stolen property. And he gets word that his grandfather died. Donnie and his grandfather did not have the best relationship. It is my understanding that from about the age of seven until whenever Donnie reached into adulthood, his grandfather had actually abused him. Now, there's no specifics on any kind of the abuse. Uh, Donnie will not go into detail on that. Yes, Donnie is still alive, and most of the witnesses to this occurrence are also still alive. So this is from a lot of their mouths and his mouth. What the jail does is they give Donnie a weekend furlough. Now, weekend furloughs usually are for servicemen to get, you know, like a three, four, five day leave if something happens. Well, they also do this in jails as well. So they go ahead and give Donnie uh, a few days off. Now it's it's hard telling how much time he actually got off. I've heard anywhere from three days to several days, as much as seven days. Um, I'm going with the three to four day window because the chain of events that happened, um, as described by the witnesses and Donnie Decker himself, only happened within a few days, uh, three or four, so that's what we're going to go with. So Donnie gets out. Um, his mom wanted absolutely nothing to do with him, um, did not want him staying at her house. While arriving at the at the funeral, you know, he knows that. He's got a lot of emotions going on right now. And he's sitting around, you know, this viewing, and he's hearing all these people say all these good things about his grandfather. And he's just got a tsunami of emotions going on because he literally hates this man. He himself said that he wanted to go to the funeral just to make sure that he was dead. That is how much he hated this man for what he did to him when he was uh, a child. So while he's sitting there listening to everybody say all these good things about his grandpa, and he has all these other experiences with his grandpa, he decides to get up and leave. Now he can't really go anywhere because his mom won't take him in, wants nothing to do with him. So some family friends decide to put him up uh, while he's out on his furlough. Now, uh, those family friends are the Kiefers. Their names are Bob and Jeannie. Now, Jeannie had actually worked with Donnie's mom. That's how they knew each other. And they had known Donnie since he was a kid. And, I mean, Bob Kiefer even says, and Jeannie too, they're like, he was a really good kid. He just got mixed up in the wrong crowd. You know, we were more than happy to take him in, you know, while he was off. So, I mean, Bob Bob knows that there was some bad blood between Donnie and his grandfather, but Donnie would never really talk about it. You know, he knew something, something had happened, something had gone on there, but Donnie never really opened up to anybody. So, you know, they kind of, you know, don't really say much to him. 
not really too much is going on right now. Um, you know, they go in the house for dinner. Well, Donnie goes upstairs to the upstairs bathroom to wash up for dinner. Now, this is where everything starts getting pretty crazy. Donnie claims that he goes upstairs to the upstairs bathroom to wash up for dinner. Now, while he's up there, what he says happens is that he just feels like he goes into the bathroom and he feels like all the air coming out of the room. He said it felt like a vacuum just sucking all the air out. Well, he says he starts getting dizzy, like he's having uh, some sort of a panic attack or something like that. Well, as he's kind of freaking out a little bit, he says he sees a face in the window. He looks over at the bathroom window and sees this face. Now, the face he describes is that of an old man wearing a crown. And he says it scares the living shit out of him. And he says all of a sudden, he feels these scratches go up his arm so he looks at his arm and he's got three scratches on his right wrist going from wrist to elbow that direction they are not going across like you're slitting your wrist it's like three going straight down now as we all know you know all of us who enjoy the paranormal and movies and all that good stuff like that something like that would suggest benevolent spirit whether you believe in that stuff or not I'm just giving you the information. So Donnie's up there and he's freaking out, okay? He really doesn't know what to make of anything. He feels like he's being attacked. And this only lasts for maybe about 10 minutes or so. While he's upstairs, uh, Bob and Jeannie Kiefer are downstairs with their two young children uh, waiting for Donnie to come down for dinner. So Donnie... He comes down, and, you know, they noticed he was up there for a little while, and, and uh, he comes down, sits at the kitchen table. Well, Bob Kiefer looks at him, and he's like, you know, he even says, he's like, he looked really white, you know, like something just wasn't right about him, you know. He's like, I knew he had a bad day, I knew he had, you know, a lot of personal shit with his grandpa going on, but he's like, he just didn't look right. Well, Donnie goes to kind of reach out a little bit with his long sleeve shirt and you can see a little bit of red poking out well Bob grabs his arm and he lifts up his sleeve and he's like what the hell did you do Donnie and Donnie goes on to say I didn't do it you know I don't exactly know what happened I didn't do it well Bob's sitting here looking at him like what the fuck are you talking about man so Donnie goes on to explain what happened to him in the bathroom and pretty much tell Bob about his quote-unquote attack. You know, Bob listens to him. He really doesn't say too much. You know, he thinks it's a little strange. So, you know, they go ahead and finish dinner, say everything's fine. Well, after dinner, Donnie goes into the living room and goes and sits on the couch watches some TV. Bob, Je Bob and Jeannie notice that it starts getting really, really cold. And they're just kind of like, well, what the hell's going on, you know? So they look over at Donnie, and he's on the couch, and they said he's got this blank stare on his face. And he's just staring at the wall. They said he's almost in, like, a trance state. And as they're watching Dan, or Donnie there in that trance state, they notice that water, or what looks like water, starts seeping from the walls. 
So Bob and Jeannie are checking this stuff out. And they're like, you know, feeling it. They're like, it looked like water, but it was really sticky and tacky. You know, they're like, it looked exactly like water, but it wasn't. And it just keeps seeping out of the walls. And they're just kind of like, well, what the hell, you know, maybe, maybe something's wrong with the piping. Well, Bob is sitting there thinking to himself, there's no water pipes running on this side of the house, whether it be horizontally or vertically. All the water piping in the house are at the kitchen and the bathrooms, which are on the other side. So he's starting to like, he's like, what the hell's going on, you know? While they're sitting there thinking about all this, it starts raining inside the house. You can take that description as you like it, but the fact of the matter is there are two children, there are two adults, who say that it literally starts raining from the ceiling. Now this water starts seeping out of the walls a little bit more and more, and they keep looking over at Donnie, and Donnie's just not even responsive. He's sitting on the couch staring at the wall, and still in this trance state. So they're kind of wondering, they're like, what, what the hell's going on? Now, like I said, Bob knows that there's no water piping over on this side of the house. So he calls up his landlord, and his landlord, Ron Van Wy, and his wife, Romaine, come over. Now, when Bob called him, he really wouldn't say what was going on. He just said, hey, you guys need to get over here, like right now. There's something wrong with the house. And Ron's on the other end of the phone like, well, why don't you tell me what's wrong with the house and we can figure out whether to, you know, take care of it tomorrow or not. And Bob's just like, no, man, like, you need to get your ass over here. You need to see what's going on. Like, you need to see what's going on. So, Ron, like I said, Ron Van Wy and his wife, Romaine, show up. And they walk in and it's fucking raining everywhere in this house. And Ron Van Wy, the landlord, is just like, you know, in his own words, he's like, I, he's like, there's no explanation for what I saw. He's like, when he walks in, he straight up says, he's like, I look at the floor and there's water seeping out of the floor. And he's like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, something's got to be fucked up with the plumbing. And he's like, but I'm the landlord. I've owned this house for years. I know where all the water piping is, and him and Bob were in agreement. There was no water piping on this side of the house. So as he's looking at this water seep it through the floor, the water actually starts going up vertically. It literally starts raining from the floor going up. And then they notice that it's some of the raindrops are actually and I call them raindrops I'm using that term very very loosely but it's the best description we have he says the raindrops actually are manifesting in midair and traveling horizontally so not only is water seeping out of the walls seeping out of the floor raining upward you got the ceiling raining downward but you also have rain traveling horizontally at you now obviously they're like what in the fuck is going on bob and ron decide to leave uh, the ladies downstairs with donnie who is still on the couch 
in a trance state, you know, not really, not really paying attention to, to anything, okay? So they decide to go upstairs, the men do, uh, Ron and Bob. And they go up, the first place they check is where uh, Donnie says that he was attacked. Now, Bob didn't even want to go up the stairs. He was scared. He's like, you know, you could look up the stairs into that bathroom. And he's like, it was not right. He's like, you felt so cold. He's like, you just felt so uneasy. But they go up there and decide to try to investigate a little bit and see if they can't find exactly what the problem is. So they go upstairs in the upstairs bathroom. Uh, they're looking at some pipes. There's no leaks whatsoever. And as they're up there, even Ron is like, it just felt so cold, you know? It's He's like, I can't even explain it. He's like, it was just the most unnerving feeling in the world. So they're up there for, I don't know, 10 or 20 minutes. I'm not, there's no exact timeline on this case. So they go decide to go back downstairs because they cannot find anything wrong with the pipes upstairs in the bathroom. You know, no explanation for it to be raining from the ceiling. They go back downstairs, and of course Don is still sitting uh, on the couch, staring at the wall in a trance-like state. And it's still raining, like, all over the place. You know, they they are pretty much running out of any kind of explanation, trying to investigate, see what the hell's going on. They have no idea. Uh, Bob decides to call the cops. And patrolman John Bojan is the one who answers the phone. And he knows Bob. He's not close personal friends with him, but this is a small, tight-knit community. Very, you know, small, Midwestern town. So everybody knows everybody. So he knows, you know, Bob. Bob's on the phone with him. And, you know, he's sitting there telling him, he's like, you, you need to come over. You know, he's like, you need to come over right now. And John, uh, you know, the police officer, John Beauchamp's like, you know, that's fine. Why don't you tell me what's going on? Because I'm not going to walk in somewhere where I don't know what I'm walking into. Well, Bob says there's something wrong with the water pipes. And, of course, Officer uh, Bojan, his response is, well, I'm not a plumber, Bob. And he's like, just come over here right now. And Bojan at this point in time knows that something is, is wrong. Because Bob is a legit citizen. You know, he's not the local drunk. You know, he's he, he's a he's a stand-up dude. So he, you know, Bojan knows something's wrong. So he heads over to the uh, Kiefer house. So when he arrives, he actually brought with him another patrolman by the name of Richard Wolbert. Both of those two officers show up to the house. Like I said, they knew, Bojan knew something was, was definitely not right. But as soon as he walks in the door... He says it gets really, really cold. He's like, I couldn't believe how cold it got when I walked in the door. And it, it's the best thing in the world if you ever get a chance to watch the, you know, a couple videos on this. His explanation is the greatest thing in the world. Because he walks in and both of these cops are are watching it rain inside this house. Now, mind you, Donnie is still in a trance-like state on the couch. 
he, from his own recollection, he says he re- he kind of remembers what was going on, but not really. He said his vision was really blurry. He said his his hearing was was kind of blocked out. He said he kind of knows what was going on, but not really. And he said, you know, he's like, even though I did kind of know what was going on, he's like, there was nothing I could do about it. He's like, he's like, he said it felt like he was in a meditative state. Okay, so the two officers. Uh, Richard Wolbert and John Bojan, along with Bob Kiefer, the uh, renter of the house, and Ron Van Wy, the landlord, decide to start looking around. They're they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. You know, they're walking around the house. It's literally raining inside this house. As they're standing there, we have Ron and his wife Romaine. We have Bob and Jeannie Kief, Kiefer. And we have Officer Bojan and Officer Wolbert standing there. And he said they're kind of standing across from each other. And John Bojan, the police officer, says, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He said there was water. He's like, there was, it was raining up towards the ceiling. He's like, it was raining down towards the ceiling. He's like, at one point in time, he's like, this big drop manifested right in front of me and traveled through the living room horizontally through the dining room still going horizontally and he says it goes into the kitchen and around the corner where he lost sight of it they're freaking out okay everybody in this house it's it's pretty much sheer panic at this point in time donnie sitting there on the couch still in his trance-like state not really doing shit while everybody else is freaking out so they decide to investigate a little bit the cops and uh the two the two men in the house decide to investigate and they suggest that maybe the kefers and uh take don and go to the local pizzeria to uh you know just get him out of the house while they can try to investigate and find out what in the hell's going on so the kefers and don leave to go to the pizzeria now i've heard two separate accounts i've heard the pizzeria was you know locally maybe a car drive away within walking distance i've also heard that it was directly across the street now at this point in time this is over the course of probably three to four hours like i said there's no exact timeline uh on these events which which really sucks it is extremely well documented and i'm sure somewhere you can dig some shit up on it but the story of this was so amazing i kind of had to you know get more into the story and get as much info as i could so they leave to go to the pizzeria now officer bojan wolbert and ron van wy and ron van wy's wife romaine notice that as soon as donnie leaves it stops raining they said literally in front of your eyes everything stops and all the water or what they think is water starts drying up right there as they're watching it you know at this point in time ron van wy is you know he's like there's there's one of a couple things that's going on and one of those things has to be somehow directly related to donnie decker can't explain it doesn't know how but he's like something has to be going on with him there's there's no way he can just leave the house and all and everything just cease to happen all this activity just stops you know donnie gets out of the house 
he's getting a little bit of fresh air. And he actually states, he's like, you know, we get to the pizzeria, we're sitting there, and he's like, all of a sudden, he's like, I start thinking to myself, you know, about what was happening at the house. He's like, and then I started thinking about my grandfather. And at that point in time, it starts raining in the pizzeria. Water starts coming from the ceiling. There is a, what is described as a mist. So... A lot of the witnesses and the customers of the pizzeria at the time go to leave. And uh, in Donnie's own words, here's what he had to say about when he got to the pizzeria. That made me more sure that I had something to do with it because it was following me. And it didn't start raining in the house until I got there. They were living there and nothing ever happened. And that's when I started realizing that it was me. So at this point in time, it's pretty safe to say that Donnie himself is starting to realize what's happening, what's going on, and that he possibly might have something to do with all this activity that's going on around him. Like I said, a lot of the witnesses had left, but not all of them. Now, the owner of the pizzeria, by the name of Saint, er, uh, Pam Scrofano, now she notices Donnie when he walks in. She notices that he looks a little bit pale and that he's kind of like, you know, kind of like his walking zombie at this point, which, you know, he's in his trance-like state still, but he's actually kind of recognizing his surroundings at, at this point. He's starting to come to a little bit of realization. You know, it's it's sitting here raining inside this pizzeria and Pam, the owner, is like freaking out. And here's what she had to say in her own words about what happened that night. You looked at Donnie, and he was like in a trance. He would look at you, but not knowing you were there. I said to Jeannie, he's got to be possessed. We're sitting there. A couple of seconds later, there's water all over the pizzeria, too. I've never seen anything like that happen. I went in the cash register. I had a crucifix there. I took it out. I put it on him. And the minute I put it on him and it touched his skin, he got burned. There's no way that anybody could have played a joke like that. This was real. Donnie was doing it himself. He was doing it without realizing he was doing it. Now, I can imagine what a lot of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, who in the hell carries around a crucifix in a cash register drawer in a random pizzeria I'll tell you who the Midwest in 1983 because that's where I'm from and I've still seen it to this very day so that's not out of the realm of possibility now Pam claims that she kind of knew what was going on with Donnie before he got to the pizzeria because she supposedly was at their house earlier that day and had witnessed some of the events that occurred at the Kiefer home. Now that is totally unconfirmed. I will let you know that right now. There is nothing else that I read except for one place that, which, which happens to be a direct quote from her, um, that she even knew what was going on over there. So I cannot confirm that. But that's just more information uh, when we get to the, some of the facts and, you know, possibly some theories. 
So at this point in time, the Kiefers are like, we should probably leave. And I'm pretty sure Pam was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you should. So the Kiefers and Don go back to the Kiefer home. Now at this point, when they get there, the two officers had actually left. They they went back to go get the chief of police. Now the chief of police, I believe, is still unnamed. I'm not 100% sure. He did not want anything to do with any kind of interviews, any kind of anything. Because I will say this, there are two TV shows that actually did episodes on this. One of which being Unsolved Mysteries, the other one being Paranormal Witness. Um, the chief of police did not ever want to be interviewed. Nothing. So I have no idea who this guy was. I didn't look that back far into it. Or that far back into it. So I can't really say who that was but the two patrol officers were that were there they actually left after they investigated the house when donnie and the keepers left and all the activity uh subsided they decided to go back to their precinct well when donnie gets back there this is when all hell starts breaking loose and at this point in time i'm gonna have to take a break to go get another drink. I'll see you back here in a minute. Okay, so Donnie and the Kiefers arrive back at the Kiefer home. Like I said, the cops are gone. They had gone back to the precinct. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. It was probably in disbelief to either go tell their chief or whatnot. But they are gone. Now, as soon as Donnie gets back in the house, all the activity starts up again. All the horizontal rain. All the vertical rain coming from the floor up, coming from the ceiling down, it all starts again. So they're they're pretty damn sure that Donnie, there's something wrong with him, or he is playing the greatest prank ever known to man, okay? So the two gentlemen, Ron and Bob, go to try to investigate again, and they actually go call the cops back, because... They just, they don't know what in the hell to do. So while they are calling the cops back and trying to investigate a little bit more, uh, the two wives, Romaine Van Wy and uh, Jeannie Kiefer, they take Donnie into the kitchen and they kind of corner him in the corner. And at this point, they are freaking out. They have no idea what in the hell's going on. And they're sitting there pointing their fingers at him. They're like yelling at him. They're like, Donnie, Donnie, knock it off. Make this stop now. We know you're doing it. We know you're playing some kind of prank or something. Knock it off, Donnie. You're scaring everybody. And literally everybody who walked into this house that witnessed it, cops included, have no idea what to even make of it. They're scared shitless. That includes the people in the house at this point in time. Well, as these women are sitting here yelling at Donnie, he actually knows that they're yelling at him. In his own words, he says, they started yelling at me. And he's like, and all of a sudden I felt this pressure. Now at this point in time, Ron Van Wy, Bob Kiefer, Jeannie Kiefer, and Romaine Van Wy, all four of these people witnessed Donnie levitate off of the ground 
six to eight inches and he is suspended there in the air now why this while this is happening all the pots and pans on the walls and on the on the counters and on the tables they just start rattling all the plates everything starts rattling in the kitchen as Donnie's levitated right there and they are fucking freaking out because they can't even believe what they're looking at right now so they're sitting there watching this and all of a sudden all of them describe even Donnie himself says that it looks like he was hit by a truck his body motion he didn't slowly glide across the room it looked like he got hit by a truck and Donnie himself is like straight up he's like I felt like I got hit by a truck and he goes flying against the wall now you'll hear some reports oh he flew across the room into a wall in all reality from the witnesses that were there it was only about five to six feet but still we're not going to make qualms about distance here when somebody levitates and slams against a fucking wall so he slams against the wall and he you know kind of slides down the wall and he's sitting there on the kitchen floor and the the pans and the pots and all the plates they stop rattling and Donnie at this point in time kind of you know he gets his feeling back I guess you could say he like kind of snaps back into himself you know he's out of his trance state a little bit but he also notices on his arm there are three more scratches in the shape of a crown now at this point in time Donnie is sitting there and he's like for some odd reason he comes to a realization that this has to be my grandfather trying to hurt me again because he has for the most part known what was happening around him you know what you know he could not control it obviously and he says at some points in time he can remember better than others but when he snaps out of this trance state he actually starts to come you know back into reality a little bit so everybody in the house is fucking freaking out here's what Donnie had to say about the whole kitchen incident the pots and pans over the stove started rattling that's when I got levitated off the floor I was like floating then it was like a push it wasn't like somebody taking their hand and pushing me it was like feeling it all over your body at once I'm a big guy you know I've always been assertive, and that made me feel like a newborn. You know, I'm scared right now just talking about it, really. So at this point in time, there's two different things that I heard happening, and both of them might have happened. I'm not 100%. I tried looking for one definite answer. I could not get one. At this point in time, Jeannie goes and gets a Bible. Obviously, there's something not right about Donnie. And all of them pretty much agree that it's nothing physical that it, it it's seriously the only explanation for what is happening is something spiritual so Jeannie starts reading from Psalm now I've heard a lot of mixed stuff on on what exactly happened but for the most part Donnie while she's reading Psalm starts going into convulsions even though he seemed like he was coming out of that trance state he goes back into convulsions and the rain starts coming thicker and thicker and thicker and it's just pelting Jeannie just hitting her just from every single direction as she's reading out of this Bible now at this point in time um, 
Bojan and Walbert return, the two police officers that were on the scene. They return with the chief of police. The chief of police walks in and is immediately soaking wet. And this is not from his words, this is from the two officers that were with him, which was Bojan and Wolbert. And the chief just has no way to really, he has no comprehension on what's going on. He pretty much says that this is a straight up plumbing issue, we do not need to be here. He orders his men to leave, and he leaves as well. But before he actually leaves, he tells his men not to file a standard police report, which is total procedure. You know, they file police reports for everything, alright? He tells them not to file anything. So the three officers leave. There's really nothing they can do. Bojan actually said himself, he's like, I felt bad for, like, leaving them there because I am that person that is supposed to, you know, have guidance, that is supposed to know this. He, you know, it's, he, he's like, I, I, I just felt bad. So all three of the police officers leave. And Donnie just doesn't seem to be getting any better. The rain starts getting harder and harder. And this is over the course of quite a little bit of time. This is probably in the early morning hours of the next day at this point in time. So they decide, Bob, I believe, decides to try calling for a priest. There is absolutely no priest in the area that will handle this. The main reason being that there is a strict and very meticulous procedure and all that good stuff for the Vatican to approve an exorcism. You can't just call up a priest, he comes over, does an exorcism. This ain't the fucking movies. You have to get, a priest has to get permission from the Vatican and a lot of shit has to happen in order for them to get that permission. So the best thing that they can get is an evangelical preacher. He comes over and, you know, he's reading from Psalms as well as Jeannie, and for the most part it is my understanding from all accounts that I read that everything kind of subsided for a little while. So, the next day, um, apparently everything starts, you know, coming back again. All the activity starts happening, happening again when Donnie seems to get up. Well, the two original cops, Bojan, Wolbert, they show up against their chief's orders because, like I said, Bojan felt bad about leaving. He could not leave these people hanging like that. So he shows up with two more cops by the name of Bill Davies and Lieutenant John Rundle. Now, Lieutenant John Rundle actually they they he actually witnesses another levitation. He sees Donnie Decker levitated and again thrown against a wall. He, and he said the same thing that they said before. They were like, he didn't really go across the wall. He's like, he went five to six feet, but he levitated fully in the air. And after he hit the wall, he got up and he had three more claw marks along the side of his neck. So, again, they call a preacher. They call the same evangelical preacher over to try to subside all the activity in which case it works 
everything seems to calm down again. Now, roughly another 24 hours pass after this. Everything calms down, cops leave. Everything is is chill at the moment, all right? At this point in time, John, er, Don's uh, furlough is over. He has to go back to jail to finish the rest of his sentence. Now, Bob Kiefer himself said, you know, he's like, as much as I love that kid, he's like, I was happy when he left because everything stopped. It never happened before him. It never happened after him. It only happened when he was in my house. Well, Donnie is actually starting to feel a little bit better. You know, he's out of his trance state. He's almost back to normal. And he does have recollection of what happened over the past few days. He's not totally oblivious to everything. So when he gets back to jail, it's a very, very odd story. Because he gets back to jail and even... uh. Even the former warden at the at the time, I believe he was just a temporary warden, but his name was uh, David Keenhold. He says everybody was scared of Donnie. It's a small town. All the cops, all the guards, even the fucking inmates had heard about what was going on with Donnie Decker while he was on his furlough. So nobody wanted to be around him. You know, Dave Keenhold himself was like, I was scared of the dude. He's like, I didn't want to look at him. I didn't want to be around him. He's like, I had heard a little bit, you know, between some of the patrolmen and the guards. And he's like, word got to the inmates. He's like, everybody was talking about what had happened to him while he was out of jail. So while Donnie gets back into his cell, he's sitting there kind of thinking to himself. He's like, I can make it rain. He's like, the past few days, he's like, I literally could control the rain. And while he's sitting on his bunk, this is, in his own words, what he says about that. They put me in a maximum security cell, and I was in there with another inmate, and I was thinking, I should make it rain in here. And all of a sudden, water started coming out of the concrete floor. And at that point, I thought, I can do stuff. So what happens next is Donnie presses his fingers together and he goes into what he calls like a meditative state. And he says, you know, he's like, I could make it rain. He's like, why don't I try it now? So he goes into this meditative state and all of a sudden rain, or what we think is rain, starts coming up from the floor, seeping out the walls, coming from the ceiling again and Donnie's just sitting there he realizes that he has the power to do this his cellmate is freaking out his cellmate is grabbing at steel bars trying to rip himself out of there screaming at the guards to get him out of there all the other inmates are already scared of him half the cops in town are freaked out the warden doesn't even want to look at him so what they do is they transfer Donnie to his own cell. And it's actually in a totally different block of the jail. He's pretty much over there all by himself. And he's sitting there laying in his bunk after a little time goes by. And, you know, he's just reflecting on all this shit that has basically happened. 
well these two turnkeys come down if you don't know what turnkeys are they're a couple guards and they start blowing Donnie some shit and Donnie is sitting there and he's like yeah you know he's like these two guards come in and they're they're just razzing me real bad you know kind of poking at me and the one guard looks at him and says oh I hear you can control the rain he's like I dare you to hit the warden in his office from right here and Donnie looks at him looks him dead in the eyes and says I can try and the guard just kind of laughs and he's like well I tell you what he's like I gotta go talk to the warden anyway so we'll see if you can or not so Donnie's sitting there and he thinks about it pretty much with all his concentration that he has and he's sitting there thinking about it and concentrating on it and he says he just kinda snaps his fingers and he says he can feel something but obviously he can't see it because he's in a jail well like I said the warden at the time or the temporary warden was Lieutenant Dave Keenhold now his version of events is he's up in his office doing paperwork now he had heard about Donnie off and on you know he knew there was some strange shit going on but he was separating himself from the situation apparently and you know he's just up in his office doing some paperwork and he says he's sitting there and he says all of a sudden he's like it's like this spout of water comes out of nowhere and hits him right square in the middle of the sternum he said the front of his shirt was soaking wet just in probably like an eight inch diameter right in the middle of his sternum now as this happens it's so funny because the two guards walk in right directly after this happened and the one guard that was blowing Donnie a bunch of shit literally just stands there and stares at him and you know Dave Keenhold is sitting here and he's like I look up and there's two guards and one of them is just standing there in disbelief they're sitting there staring at me just like you know what what in the fuck is going on and Dave Keenhold since he had been hearing about Donnie quite a bit he knew exactly what was going on and he figured that there was only one way to solve this and that was to call the chaplain the Reverend William Blackburn now Blackburn is a local reverend but he's also the chaplain for the jail and he accuses Donnie of pretty much making everything up he's got his Bible in hand and you know Donnie is just Donnie's just freaking you know he starts getting pissed he freaks out and just starts getting pissed because the reverend is sitting here telling him he's faking everything you know there's you know quit pulling the hoax you know blah 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 pretty much everything that the uh, the two women had earlier accused him of so Donnie gets mad and what happens next can only be described in the Reverend William Blackburn's words this is a direct quote from him about the incident all of a sudden his demeanor changed and the smell came into the room. Nurses and doctors, medical people, say when you walk into a room where someone is dying with a cancer or something, usually there's a smell. You can tell when you walk into the room. I smell the smell 
like that multiplied five times at least. Evil, foreboding. He raised his hand and rubbed his fingers together. And all of a sudden, it started to rain. It was like the devil's rain. It was a mist. I was in the presence of evil. I opened up the Bible and started to read to him. But the pages never got wet. So help me, it was a frightening thing. I think I was praying more for me than him. I prayed, and it was only a brief period, and the rain stopped. He subsided, and you could feel a peace. He said, thank you. He got tears in his eyes. We hugged and prayed together. He was possessed. There was no doubt in my mind. There's no way a human could do what he did in that room. There's no way that he did anything. But what he did was spiritual, and it wasn't of God. Guaranteed, it was not of God. Now this so-called exorcism is going on for hours. It is the reverend in there with Donnie Decker. Donnie Decker is getting extremely pissed off. He is extremely violent at this point in time. Now the Reverend Blackburn just continues on. Now he himself, as you heard, says that entire room was raining everywhere. He said rain was coming from every single direction. The only thing in the room that never got wet was his Bible in his hand. You can take that little piece of information as you will because I know everybody has their own opinions on that stuff and that's totally fine. We'll touch base on that a little bit more in the quote-unquote theory section. But this exorcism goes on for several hours. And after it's all said and done, after the foul odor disappears, after the rain stops, the Reverend Blackburn leaves. He's pounding on the door to get out of that room because he is done with this. He walks off. He didn't talk too much about it. He definitely has some uh, straight quotes exactly from his mouth about the incident. He was never scared to talk about it after that, which is great for, for facts, you know what I mean? But So at this point in time, Donnie Decker basically goes back to being normal he says all the feelings all the anxiety everything that he had of that nature just goes away and he feels at peace with himself and at that point in time he said everything just kind of goes back to normal he uh you know serves his time and when looking back in retrospect, this is what he had to say about the whole event. So, now you have all the information that I do. You have all the facts. Let's touch, let's touch down on some other facts, and we'll kind of intertwine them with some theories here. First off, I know you guys are sitting here thinking, well, it was probably raining outside. No, it was not raining. Every single person in that town can confirm that it had not rained for days in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, that week that this happened in 1983. Some of the other theories are about 
some of the piping seeping into insulation, therefore causing it to seep up through the floor and leak from the roof and the walls. Here's the deal, that only works if there's piping in that general region. Insulation is awesome, but it's not that awesome. It's not going to fucking work that way. Um, gravity is going to pull that water down. It's not going to pull it up. You know, there's there's a lot of naysayers that are like, oh, you know, this, this is a pseudoscience. You can't, it can't be proven by fact. And that is correct, okay? What this boils down to is telekinetic energy. Now, for those of you who are not religious, you believe in an energy of some sort, whether it be a sixth sense or whether you are a pagan who actually worships energy. We all know that there is energy out there. Telekinetic energy is more of a pseudoscience, which means it cannot be proven. There's no physical evidence of it. Now, there have been... I believe two other cases. I know uh, both of them were actually in California. I cannot remember the names of them. Now, in these instances, the same thing actually was reported to happen. It, uh, you know, was seeping a liquid from the wall. In one case, shit you not, there is a case of Jackie Hernandez, and it's uh, from San Pedro, California, and no bullshit there was a viscous matter that began to seep out of the walls and ceilings of a, a small duplex and it was later found that the liquid was actually human blood plasma they had it analyzed and that's exactly what it was there is absolutely no explanation for that uh, the other one was also from California and it was the case of Doris uh, Bither I didn't really look into too many details of that case, so I hope you can forgive me for that. But there was enough going on with the Donnie Decker here to pretty much keep me pretty occupied. This is not the one incident in the entire world that this has ever happened, and I can guarantee there's probably been other cases that people are not going to come forward about. Now I know a lot of you are thinking about the rain in the jail. Here's the deal. Rain in the jail is not going to fucking happen. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, Oh, it, it had to have been condensation. I'm going to tell you two lots of news right here. Alright? Getting it down to brass tacks, people. One, condensation is not going to make a fucking inmate freak out in a jail cell and try to rip steel bars out to try to get his ass out of this jail cell. There is no way that is ever going to happen. And second, I can personally tell you from experience, the jail cells are a little chilly, alright? Average temperature is usually 67 to about 71 degrees. Me personally, mine was about 68. It was pretty chilly. But in order for condensation to happen, in a jail cell at 68 degrees which is 20 degrees Celsius I thought about all you metric folks out there give me some credit it roughly outside of this jail cell it has to be roughly 53 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit or 12 degrees Celsius and on top of that there has to be a humidity level of about 60 percent now this is not gonna happen and even if it did 
concrete does not hold that much moisture in order for this to happen so you can pretty much scratch condensation off of the list of theories I mean don't get me wrong it's not a bad one it wouldn't be a bad one if it was a different scenario if it was a jail cell by itself outside the middle of nowhere but there were side-by-side -side cells everything same temperature not much moisture in the concrete it didn't have the temperature or the humidity to actually make condensation so that is out of the realm of possibilities and, and even then I mean the temperature even if it was outside the average temperature in Stroudsburg Pennsylvania in February is like 57 degrees I want to say right around 50 to 57 degrees and that's in February and that includes morning and night so I mean you're barely there at the cusp for it to happen but you're also in a jail cell in a jail it's not gonna happen now some of you are thinking oh it had to have been the piping in the jail that also is not not a likely possibility jails are the concrete is extremely thick in most cases it's anywhere from one two to three feet thick now if it is a one-story jail yeah you're gonna have pipes underneath on the floor but that still would not explain the water coming from the ceiling of the jail cell in the same retrospect even if you are on a one two or three level block you still have to you still have to make it through two feet of concrete in order for it to hit that and that still does not explain seeping through the walls coming up through the floor of concrete mind you and dripping from the ceiling all at the same time and this has to be bad enough for a cellmate to literally freak out and want to get the fuck out of there when we actually think about this in retrospect there's a lot of I don't want to really call theories but there's a lot of haters alright that'll sit there and tell you there's no way this has happened this was mass hysteria you know these people are just trying to make a dollar here's the deal of all the witnesses that I named there were at least seven or eight uniformed police officers the four or five if you count the chief that actually showed up at the scene of the Kiefer house you guys gotta remember cops are trained observers okay they are trained to investigate they are trained to find answers they are trained to figure out shit and they still to this day are in disbelief of this entire thing they have no words for it and on top of that these cops will go on TV in uniform with the possibility of damaging all their credibility and reputation because they know what they saw they know what happened and there is nothing that can deter them from that and yeah there's a lot of coincidences out there and yeah it might have been something else but when you have this many eyewitnesses this is one of the lesser known poltergeist case but it is honestly with eyewitnesses eyewitness accounts and documentation it is one of the most well-documented poltergeist case out there I just want you guys to know that before you think think you know all your theories and all that stuff and don't get me wrong every theory is right until it was proven wrong 
and every person who tries to discount what happened in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania cannot prove it wrong. They cannot prove that it didn't happen. Don't get me wrong, besides all these eyewitnesses, you can't physically prove that a pseudoscience happened. You can't physically prove that telekinetic energy actually happened. It's fucking impossible, alright? But at the end of the day, is it so far out of the realm of possibilities that this did happen? I know some of you religious freaks out there are like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, he was possessed by the by a demon. He was possessed by a devil. His grandfather, his dead grandfather was trying to hurt him. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. We don't know. That's the thing about it. We don't know what happened in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. So I beg you, give me your theories. Let me know what you think about this. And on that note, I am going to go ahead and end this podcast. Not the podcast, just the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the story of Donnie Decker. And I hope, if you want to, you put more research into it. Try to figure this out for yourself. It is really, really fucking interesting. There's, you know, a lot of stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of great articles about this. There really is. Um, Since this has happened, uh, Donnie has almost stayed out of trouble. Uh, I believe in 2012 he caught an arson charge, which, ironically enough, you know, the headlines are in, Rain Man charged with arson. Uh, I think he burned down a restaurant or something like that. So he has been in a little bit of trouble here and there. But for the most part, Donnie Decker's not really a bad guy. I mean, he's not really a bad guy. I mean, yeah, we can burn shit down, but he made sure everybody was out of there first. Gotta give credit where credit's due, people. With all that behind us, uh, social media-wise, follow me on Instagram. Uh, Just type in my first and last name, you'll find me. Either that or hit hashtag Mysterious Circumstances. Um, You can hit the new Facebook page. I got a new Facebook page, so make sure you come and like that. Join the group. There's a link to the group in the Facebook page. Um, Let me know your thoughts on this, you guys. I would really, really love to hear your guys' theories. Um, If I was totally full of shit and got all this wrong, let me know. And, you know, if you can prove telekinetic energy exists, please get a hold of me. But before you do, let the entire world know because you're going to be fucking famous. So I suppose, with all that being said, I will catch you fine folks on the flip side.